Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Nancy Fritton, and I sing in our wonderful chancel choir and tutor in the Back to Basics program. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads in prayer for the prayer of invo invocation. Our hearts exalt in you, O God. All knowledge has its origin in you. Our deepest hungers are satisfied as you give counsel and instruct our hearts. Be known to us now that our covenant with you may be strengthened. Give confidence to all who enter the sanctuary that our faith may grow, our love expand, and our hope find fulfillment. Show us the path of life and grant us courage to walk in your ways. Amen. Let us praise God with our worship.
Please stand for the call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his, his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. God is ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. God is ever more ready to forgive than we are to ask. God's love never ends. God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Relying on that love and mercy of our God, we pray our confession together. Mighty God, we confess the arrogance of our doubts and falsehood of our denials. We have neglected to pray and have forgotten to give thanks. Many activities have become more important to us than gathering for worship. Our busyness crowds our time of prayer. player. We shake our heads at the evil around us, but do little to witness to better way. Your law is seldom consulted and your pathways of self-sacrificing love rarely explored. In Jesus' name, we amen. God has heard our prayers. God sees all our hearts and minds, and God has forgiven us from our sins and shortcomings. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he can come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I would like to invite the children to come forward while we pass the peace of the Lord to one another. Good morning. I realize that I am the only thing that's standing in between you and those bounce houses, so we're going to be pretty quick here. It is homecoming Sunday, and we are going to celebrate big. And I was thinking about my home and things that I loved about my home. And when I was a kid, you know, one of the favorite things about my home, of course, that my mom lived there, and that we lived right in the middle of a Christmas tree farm. And you know what that meant? killer hide-and-seek games. One of the things my husband loved best about his home is that he could ride his bike all the way to his grandparents' house. And I'm wondering, what's something that you love about your home? Can you think of something? Anything at all that you love about home? What is it? Um, that I have a pool. That you have a pool so you can swim. That's awesome. What else? Does anyone else love anything about their home? Yeah. I have my family. You have your family there. Any? Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, getting my exercise, yes. Did I have a really big backyard? A big backyard, oh my goodness. Well, I was thinking about some animal friends who have really kind of fun homes. Did we have one more? Right here, yes. We have, we have a lake in the backyard. A lake in the backyard, awesome. Okay, so thinking of homes, see this bluebird? Yeah? What do you think? Where do you think that bluebird makes his home? Where do you think? Yeah. In a tree. In a tree. Any other guesses? On a wire. Uh, where? On a wire. On a wire. Not even the one I have a picture of yet. One more guess. Oh, you're thinking tree. More specifically. A nest. A nest. In a nest. Look at the color of those little eggs. You guys are like really spread out today. Okay, here's another one really quick. This is... Nemo, a clownfish. Anyone know what a clownfish uses for his home? Cool. Close, coral, close. The ocean. The ocean is really good, and? Anemone. Anemone, excellent. Yes, they live in anemone. That's really good. Okay. Whew. Look at this little guy. This is an elf owl. Do you know where this elf owl? Do you really know? Because this is tricky. What? Yeah, it's a cactus. Yeah, it's a cactus. That's right. You are so smart. Look at it lives in the... Okay, one last one. What about a bear? What does a bear make for his home? Do you know? 
Say it again. In the woods. In the woods, and what else? In the woods? Yes. Okay. A cave or a den. Okay. Great job on the animal homes. Guess what? I don't think those animals like to share their homes with other animals. No, right? I know one place, one place, one home where everybody is welcome. You know what it is? Heaven is a great answer, not the one I was thinking of. Church, you are brilliant. Church of the Palms. This is the place where everybody is welcome. Doesn't matter if you're short or tall, young or old. It doesn't matter if you chirp like a bird or if you're hairy like a bear. You are welcome here. And you know why? Because Jesus says we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus says, come on home. We're going to party. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for welcoming everybody home. Help us, Lord, to love others the way you do. Amen. As you're going out with Miss Carol, just want to remind the parents, pick them up right at 10, right at 10.05 on the sidewalk, Yellow Brick Road, really quick because there's a lot of fun stuff for them to do out there. All right, let's go, guys. You know, there's about five answers that are always right in a children's moment. Heaven, Bible, God, Jesus, church. Usually if you answer that, you're going to get the answer right. So welcome, everybody. It is so good to have you here on Homecoming Sunday. We are so thrilled that you're here. We're going to talk about Homecoming Sunday in a minute. We're going to look back, though, uh, to an amazing event that took place just on Wednesday. Many of you were there. In fact, 119 of you were at our Rise Against Hunger uh, experience where we gathered together over in the uh, Palm Center and had the chance to pack meals for uh, families that are in need in both Central and South America. And uh, I, I'm so impressed by how people look with their red hairnets. Well, so take a look at that while uh, I share with you the fact that during this event, uh, which lasted a little bit more than an hour, we were able to, 119 people were able to pack not 10,000 meals, not 15,000 meals, not 20,000 meals, but 25,000 meals. So give a big round of applause for that. That was a huge deal. And that, all, that with the fact that at the last minute, the Rise Against Hunger folks had some health issues and they couldn't come. And so we had to do it all by ourselves. And so thank you to Connor Peters for organizing all that at the last minute and making it such an amazing event. So give Connor a big round of applause as well. Yay. So yeah, I said it's homecoming Sunday and it is such a great day in the life of our church where we get to be gathered back together uh, in more ways than one from COVID, from up north, from just being in our homes here in Sarasota and just being together with the family of God as Lori was sharing. And so afterwards, we're gonna be outdoors and enjoying a great time of festivity. We will be having uh, burgers and hot dogs and good food out there. We'll be enjoying some fellowship. We will be bounce houses. Are you looking forward to bounce houses? Yes. I'll tell you, you need to bring a doctor's note, but bounce houses are available for you. Uh, high heels not recommended inside those plastic bounce houses, but we'd love to have you. Also, you can get your, if you've bounced too much in the bounce house, you can get your blood pressure checked over in the camp, right by the campus center. And right next to that, you will have a chance to help us with one of our very, very important missions here at Church of the Palms. Our Palms Preschool is participating in a book sale. And they want to use this as an opportunity to uh, give proceeds to another one of our partners, which is the Wilkinson Elementary School, to support their reading effort there. So you can go if you've got, okay, what do I get my grandkids for Christmas? This is the perfect opportunity for you to order some books for your grandchildren, or if you just don't want to do that and you just want to give some money to the Palms Preschool and that effort with Wilkinson, just write out a check to Church of the Palms and hand it to them over by the campus center.
Center uh, while you are enjoying your burgers and jumping in your bounce houses. So. Uh, a great day, so make sure you join us outside afterwards. We have lots of other things coming up, it's hard to believe, but we'll be decorating our sanctuary next Sunday for Advent and Christmas, that's hard to imagine, but uh, if you would like to help us with that, if you have the spiritual gift of decorating, we would love for you to come and join us for that after the 11 o'clock service. We will look forward to then that following Wednesday, our joint Thanksgiving Eve service with Temple Sinai. Put that on your calendar, five o'clock reception, six o'clock service over at Temple Sinai, one of the great moments in the life of our church each year. And then also our Samaritan Counseling Center, Another wonderful mission partner is going to be sponsoring a virtual Christmas event on November the 28th, and you'll find information about that as well. And lastly, but not leastly, we'd love to introduce to you some new members here at Church of the Palms. You'll see a little insert in your bulletin, and some of these folks are here, some of those folks are but we would love to introduce them and if you are here would you please stand as I call your name and Lucy Batty right there Amanda Hale I saw Amanda at some point in time where is she there she is over there Grayson Nathan and Ashley Lynn way back there in the back pew their kids have already made their way to the program Ginny and Lou Pavlov are they here today well oh, they're right next door all right wonderful and Nancy and Harry Pelton I believe come to the 11 o'clock service would you please give these good folks a round of applause And allow me to pray for you as you are welcome now into our life here at Church of the Palms. We thank you, O oh God, for these new members and we are grateful for our fellowship together. The fact that we all get to come home into the same place and know that you are here to meet us and we're grateful that we get to welcome these good people and bless them as they share in our ministry together as we seek to go out into the world to love God and to love neighbor. Bless them and keep them for we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's continue our worship.
Several months ago, we meditated and reflected upon during one of our Sundays about the stories of the people of God in which several of uh, our forebears in taking their journeys with their calling upon, with their calling to respond to what God has called them to do, paused along the way to be grateful for how God had led them thus far. And their uh, symbols of gratitude were to construct Ebenezer's, to uh, raise a stone or to raise a pile of stones, uh, to give thanks for how God has brought them thus far, and to give thanks for God's assured presence with them as they journeyed forward. Samuel and his journey erected an Ebenezer. The people of Israel, as they crossed the Jordan River, erected a pile of 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And um, Abraham erected an Ebenezer in his journey from uh, the land of Ur to Canaan to give thanks to God for what God has done. Well, several mentioned about wouldn't it be interesting to have an Ebenezer uh, here at Church of the Palms to give thanks to God for how God has been uh, faithful to us during the pandemic season. And out of that several people, there was one who actually knew how to build an Ebenezer, uh, who is Dick Thompson. Dick Thompson is a longtime member of our church and uh, is quite a craftsman. And Dick had the idea of actually constructing an Ebenezer, the picture of which is on the cover of your bulletin and is actually located just outside in our courtyard. And it's beautiful and it says so much about how God has led us uh, through this time of pandemic and what better time than on homecoming for us to be gathered together and to uh, celebrate the fact that God has brought us safe thus far and that by God's grace, God will lead us home. So I've asked Dick to join us as we uh, share together and our litany of dedication for the courtyard Ebenezer that is printed in your bulletin. Will you join with me? Dear friends, it is with humility and thanksgiving that we gather on this homecoming Sunday to remember and reflect upon our season of exile, our season of wandering, and our season of returning. We reflect upon quarantine and separation, hand-watching and mask-wearing. We reflect upon infection rates and vaccines and Zoom calls. We ponder stepping out and finding new ways. And we know that the journey is not over and that many remain vulnerable. For to everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. We are grateful to be gathered together to ask the Lord's blessing and to mark with gratitude this passage. Like our ancestors of long ago who raised stones to remember their journey and to give thanks for having come thus far, we raise these stones, O God. We give thanks that through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. We praise you, O Lord. We give you thanks for the vision behind this monument, for the hands that gather these stones, for the work in building this Ebenezer, and for the symbol of what it will mean to future generations. We praise you, O Lord. We are grateful, O God, for all the moments and monuments of our lives that cause us to pause and give thanks for your watch over our journey and for the signs of your providential hand upon us. We praise you, O Lord. And we pray that as we journey forward, we will do so with the faith to believe that the grace that has led us safe thus far will be the grace that leads us home. In and thanksgiving, we consecrate and dedicate this Ebenezer to the glory, glory of God. God and to and the, to the strengthening, strengthening of God's, God's reign through his church, and to the to hope that, that the future lies always within God's, God's hands. Amen. Amen. So I invite you after the service, when you make your way into the courtyard, you'll go right a little past the bounce house on the right, and you will find there a lovely patio, and you will see the Ebenezer there. And would you please express your thanksgiving to Dick for his... <laughs> Friends, it is November, and soon it will be Thanksgiving. As we know, this month is known for the tables full of goodness, of connecting with friends and family, which is what we're doing today on our homecoming Sunday. Um, in this month that focuses on gratitude, we take a few minutes in our service 
to reflect and to give thanks to the great giver of all things. You may give a physical offering in the baskets as you exit the church, or you may text or give online. The instructions are on page 13 in the bulletin. We do it not because we have to, but because every day we are recipients of God's amazing grace. Let us give with joyful hearts.
Let us pray. On this homecoming Sunday, our most loving and generous God, we give you thanks for our lives that get to live in your amazing grace every day. Accept these, our offerings of tithings and morning offerings and ourselves. Multiply them, bless them, so that they may be your instrument of love, justice, and peace around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So nice to have the two Jennifers with us today. Welcome back, Jenny, and the other Jennifer. We're so glad that they are with us. Would you give them a round of applause for their return to us? Yay. Our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. This is yet another text that comes to us from the Revised Common Lectionary that we are preaching through over the course of this church year. So let us hear the word of God. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. And when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? And then Jesus began to say to them, beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be alarmed, for this must take place, 
but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you allow these words to come to point to the word just read into the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. In 1945, in the wake of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which marked the end of World War II, an organization was formed of atomic scientists called the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, whose purpose was to assess and discuss the state of the world now that the technology of atomic weaponry had been unleashed. At what risk was the world, given the ability nations would have to destroy not only large swaths of human population, but in turn, our entire ecosystem? And in 1947, they began to publish a doomsday clock. You may have heard of this. Every year or every couple of years, they have assessed the risk of the world doing cataclysmic damage to itself through things like atomic weaponry, bioterrorism, climate change, cyberterrorism, and they symbolize for us through a clock how vulnerable we are to something cataclysmic occurring. How far away are we each year to doomsday? 1947, they determined that our risk level puts us seven minutes away from midnight, seven minutes away from doomsday. Since then, the clock has changed for better and for worse. Our best years were 1963 and 72, when we were, according to these scientists, 12 minutes away from doomsday. Our worst year was this last year when we were supposed to be, according to these scientists, a minute and 40 seconds away from doomsday. Now again, doomsday, the doomsday clock is not a literal clock and the world is likely not to implode in the next 100 seconds. But it is a warning sign as to how close we've put ourselves with our scientific advancement to having that science turn against us. Now at this point you're saying to yourself, boy, if this is how the sermon's starting, I just can't wait to see how it's gonna end. <laughs> or I can't wait for it to end. Now, the truth is, I tend to be somewhat of an optimist. I'm generally a glass half full kind of guy, so in the face of doomsday clocks, I would tend to be the person who would point out all the good things that are afoot, how science is helping us to counter all the dangers of the world, alternative energy sources, advanced fail-safes, efficient delivery systems, the development of vaccines at warp speed. To every point, of course, there is a counterpoint. Hegel's dialectic, every thesis has its antithesis that produces a synthesis. Nevertheless, it doesn't take away from the fact that the world can be a vulnerable and dangerous place. Life is filled with risk. It may be that the globe does not look like it's changing from one moment to the next, but your life and mine can certainly change on a dime. Just this week, I passed through three different intersections where minutes, sometimes seconds before, cars had collided. Life can change very quickly, and we're all at some level vulnerable, which makes us susceptible to the power of fear, especially in this information age when we get to hear almost hourly how bad things are. One half hour of social media or cable news and pretty much the world is going to end. Did you know that if this happens, or if these people win, or if these people stay in power, the world is going to end? Did you know that there is some new man-eating virus out there somewhere? There isn't. Did you know that the house down the street was broken into? Did you know that there's a meteor hurling to the earth? If I hear that meteor hurling to the earth thing again, I'm going to scream. <laughs> and it's always something, and it always plays to our fears, of course. The world is going to change. That's what the world has done from the very beginning. It has changed, changed, changed. Which doesn't mean that the world is going to end. 
And maybe that's what Jesus was pointing out in his visit to Jerusalem. A visitor to Jerusalem in Jesus' day would be somewhat overwhelmed and and impressed by this amazing structure that served as the gateway to the city, the temple, often known as the Herodian temple. It was constructed by King Herod for the Jews, and it was one of the architectural wonders of the world. Its foundation stones, just one stone, was 40 feet long, which is about from here to that door that goes to the outside, 40 feet long and weighed 250 tons. And that was just one of scores of stones. 250 tons each, this building's not going anywhere. So imagine the surprise on the faces of the disciples when after marveling over this incredible architectural and holy edifice, Jesus says, oh, oh, There will be a day when all this will lie in ruins, when the walls will tumble, when the world as we know it will fall apart. In other words, nothing is forever, and even the most permanent of things are vulnerable to change. And sure enough, 40 years later, the Roman troops march into Palestine, lay siege to the city, and tear down the temple. 250-ton blocks and all. And to imagine that in Jesus' day and to experience that in the year 70 AD was to think that the world was coming to an end. But Jesus says, don't you believe it? Things will happen. Bad things will happen. And it will seem like the world is going to end. But don't you believe it. In fact, Jesus says, these events are something entirely different. In fact, he says, these events are birth pangs. They are labor pains. In other words, you will always be, in other words, you will always be distracted by doomsday clocks. You will always be occupied by cataclysmic headlines. You will always be drowned out by the prophets of doom. But don't you believe it because you are giving a new birth. The kingdom around you may be falling, but the kingdom of God within you will prevail. It may be minutes to midnight on some clock somewhere, but you're looking at the wrong clock. Because you're building another kingdom. You're building another temple. And it starts within you, and it expands from there. In other words, we get to be the ones who save the world. We get to be the Marvel comic heroes. We get to be the chosen ones whose mission it is not to let the dangers distract us, but to let the Spirit of Christ direct us, bringing about the kingdom of God. A lot of people think that the world's going to hell, but we're in the business of getting heaven into the world. Makes me think of Chesley B. Sullenberger. You remember Chesley B. Sullenberger, Sully Sullenberger, the U.S. Airways pilot, whose plane upon takeoff from LaGuardia Airport flew into a flock of geese that took out both engines of his aircraft. Instantly, his plane became a several-ton glider. Instantly, the world was coming to an end for the 155 persons on that plane, not to mention the thousands and thousands potentially below on the ground. Instantly, the doomsday clock began ticking to midnight, and two people, a pilot and co-pilot, had not a second to be distracted by the peril, not a second to be overcome by the danger and the risk and the vulnerability. Their only job was to land the plane safely. There were no commentaries to make. There were no editorials to read. One job, land the plane safely. They had three and a half minutes to save the world. And in three and a half minutes, they glided their glider upon the Hudson River safe landing. And that's not the end of the story, because the story is also about these human beings, these boat owners and these ferry pilots who see that a plane has just landed in the Hudson River, and they've got minutes before the world is going to end for those scores of people within their sight. And so what do they do? Do they debate? Do they check the weather conditions? Do they check Wikipedia on airline water rescues? (laughs) No! 
They do what is inside them to do, which is to rescue. They pilot their boats to the wreck. They throw lifelines. They dive into the freezing water because the failed engines and the ditched plane are not going to be the end of the story. And don't you wonder if the end or the beginning of the world has a lot to do with, whether, where, with where you and I think that we're sitting on the plane. Because I think a lot of us, and often this is true for me, is that I think I'm a passenger. That I look out the window and I see all the danger and I brace for impact. All I can do is yell and panic. All I can do is complain about the bozos in Congress. All I can do is say that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but that's not where Jesus' followers sit. Jesus' followers sit in the cockpit. They sit behind the stick. They command the plane. They are responsible for the passengers. And they have one mission, to land the plane safely, to bring all the souls home for the night through many dangers, toils, and snares. Our job is to bring about the kingdom to be about the works of God, to do justice, and to love mercy. The Presbyterian Church in the New World of what would become the United States was founded in 1706, 70 years before the Declaration of Independence. And over its 315 years, the church has seen a political revolution, a war of independence, a constitutional convention, a civil war over race and states' rights, economic collapse, several economic depressions, a pandemic, a world war, another world war, civil rights, Vietnam, the resignation of a president, schisms in our own body, 9-11, another pandemic. We've had enough in our history to turn the greatest optimist into chicken little. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, though, we have already come. His grace has brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. That's why I love this Ebenezer we've dedicated today, a testimony not only to our gratitude for how far we've come, pandemic and all, but a testimony to what God has allowed us to do during the danger. The world was falling apart, but on this campus, hungry people were being fed, children were being taught, people were being counseled, the Lord's praises were being sung, the kingdom of God was being built. These Ebenezer stones may not be 250 tons, but they point to something stronger, the spirit of Christ whose kingdom will not fail. It makes me think of the essay C.S. Lewis wrote a year after the doomsday clock appeared for the first time. And in it, he wondered about what we are to do in the wake of such potential disaster like an atomic bomb, which was a very real threat back in 1948. Wrote Lewis, it is our business to live by our own law and not by fear, to follow in private or public life the law of love and temperance, even when they seem to be suicidal and not the law of competition and grab, even when they seem to be necessary for our survival. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, he continued, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. While the world appears to be ending, our job is to land the plane. Which brings to mind the Portuguese diplomat Aristides de Sousa Mendes, who served as consul for the Portuguese government in the Bordeaux region of France. Not a bad posting. <laughs> the Bordeaux region of France, especially for you wine lovers. Unless, of course, it is the early 1940s and the world is coming to an end. And the Nazis have invaded and Jewish refugees are now pouring into Bordeaux with the hope that they can continue on to find safe refuge from the collapsing world. And the Portuguese government insists that no refugees be allowed to cross the border. No visas shall be issued. But you are Aristides de Sousa Mendes, and you have 
the right to grant visas. You are behind the stick. And you have the opportunity to defy state orders. And you are a good Roman Catholic, a Jesus follower. And it is your mission to land the plane, to save the souls of those who are in your cabin, to live by your own law and not by fear. So without respect to race, creed, or citizenship, Sousa Mendez starts handing out visas. To anyone who wants one, he gives one. In breakneck speed, because the doomsday clock is ticking, he writes and stamps hundreds and thousands of visas before his government can arrest him, and arrest him they do. But not before 10, maybe 20, thousand desperate refugees pass to safety. When the world appears to be ending, our job is to land the plane. They say that one of the greatest factors behind the meteoric rise of the Christian church under the oppressive persecution of the Roman Empire was that Christians, was what the Christians were doing amidst the Roman pandemics. While the government fled the victims, the followers of Jesus took in the victims. Something compelling about that. So we've come home today on this homecoming Sunday. We have returned to campus both in body and in digital spirit. And we rejoice in our connection and we rejoice in our family and we rejoice in our temple. We've all learned these last couple of years how things can change and how quickly it can feel like the world is falling apart. But don't you believe it. For we are the followers of Jesus. And we are behind the stick. And we are responsible for all the passengers. And there's only one thing for us to do Remembering the mission, ignoring the danger, land the plane safely.
following the benediction, I am going that way to the bounce houses and to the good food and in a shameless ploy to get you there, my free Church of the Palms coffee mug. Come and join us out there and take one of these home with you as we celebrate this homecoming Sunday. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen.